teenager or adult not and you kill a black person Travis Scott said you, you at that point that was as a white person Rittenhouse are the only person Rittenhouse that uh, let me put it in perspective could justify said that he crossed why you killed this person law. the constitution that he had can get right a legal with a gun the, the a legal defense behind you and can make you look like right to do so. not the villain Rittenhouse but what the protector the of the constitution not say that and the protector of freedom is and rights in this country the laws that is white privilege and that is where exactly the prosecution of one can it when they say that it is intentional murder that he crossed state lines to a lot of ill people, that is that is not the side of a thing that how through beyond a reasonable doubt with people that are already exactly in the first place. I think there's one black juror in the written house because you don't understand how law works. Not this is a case about more self-defense law to the audience. Not and their emotional drives that are not going to get what you said is absolutely correct. Now we are in terms of astral law. I don't have much time. You know, we're gonna have instead of ten more minutes. Including Chris Kardashian, who probably was his manager. I also he was certainly his in-law. Since he dealt with Kylie situation and where anybody, not just Kyle Rick, was it Kylie or Kendall? But whichever that. one that he's mixed up, with, they all disowned him from after that. Your, you know what? See, after the math, and that's why I sent the aftermath of that concert where eight people died, and there may be more litigation involved in that situation. You know what he said? But all he of this said, is going to tie back into Kanye. I will pay for everything. Now back to our program. The listening to it's Black God. Mental Health. The universe. Any better. Is it any better? I think so. Yeah, I had closed every window on my phone. So... <coughs> Any type of interference from another app would, including the uh, message uh, message app, wouldn't interfere. Um, we got a lot to talk about, brother. This is the week of November thirteenth, twenty twenty-one. Were you aware that we're in November thirteenth already? Yeah, because I'm aware that November 17, 1911, Omega Psi Fraternity Incorporated was founded. Ooh. <laughs> With a Q. Are you, are you, are you? <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> I would be remiss in my duty if I didn't uh, mention these names. The following names. This shows Okay, name. 
John Gilbert, age 14. Deanna Rodriguez, age 16. Jacob Jernick, age 20. Franco Patino, age 21. Axel Acosta, age 21. Madison Dubisky, age 23. Rudy Pena, age 23. And lastly, Danish Bay, Bay, age 27. All killed in Asheville. Um, I don't want it to be seen in this big show, but um, we are always remembering the people that had an untimely death or an honorable death. And uh, I wanted to put them in tonight's episode. I hope you don't mind. Brother? Well, I don't mind if we. Um include a special dear friend of mine and of your brother um, Johnny um, not only a friend but a brother um, a father uh, a really good person um, his name is Eric Wilson and I attended his funeral this week. Um, but he is a childhood friend of mine. He is a childhood friend of your brother. Um, he may even have been somewhat of an associate of yours. But uh, he passed away. I attended his funeral um, Thursday. I drove to South Carolina. On Wednesday, arriving there roughly around maybe 3, 3.30 a.m., attended his funeral um, around 2 p.m. on Thursday and drove back to D.C. Um, today. Uh, but it was in, I thought it was imperative that I say my last goodbyes. You know, to him, he was a dear dear friend and he will be um dearly missed yes sir indeed shout out to all our uh, slain soldiers and everybody that meets um a death we all want to live forever but um just not in the cause yeah. Brother, yeah. we've made it to the five-minute mark of black mental health and race. Uh, I wanted to know what was on your mind, and that was deep. Uh, what can you follow up? Well, I don't know that I can follow anything up with that at, at this at this particular point. Um, you know that that guy, it, you know. Well, he was definitely a um, childhood friend of, of, of mine, but my relationship with him was so significant um, 
because he and your brother were, were so close. While he and I were so close, mm-hmm. he he developed a relationship with, with your brother before I did. Mm-hmm. You know, and so he and your brother had become so close, which made it imperative, you know, that, you know, Johnny and I ended up being close as a result of their relationship. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, this is the same Eric that uh, had the cousin Mark. No, you, you're talking about the guys from New York, oh. right? Yeah. No this 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 was this was Eric that lived in Dis Gillespie Projects. Wow. I probably know him by face. But... Yeah, yeah, you would know him by face, and I, and I'm sure uh, probably after we had the conversation about that, you talked to Johnny. Mm-hmm. Um, you know he'll. You know, bring you up to speed in terms in terms of who Eric was. Okay. You know, and his relationship with with Eric. Definitely, I'm gonna call him tomorrow. Yeah. I gotta catch him before he hits the corn patch. Before he hits what? The corn patch. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Johnny, uh, liver is not um accepting alcohol at this time. I got you. Got him in my prayers. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, there's a lot on the table tonight, brother, but I, that's why I wanted to feel you out. I know you had asked me to listen to the Kanye interview on uh, Drink Champs. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, DJ E. E M F. Did I get that right? Yeah, uh, DJ E and F. Or DJ F. You know, DJ E and F or DJ F. Uh, yeah, right. he was he was um, uh, Noriega's uh, DJ, um, right. and and he's I don't know an executive producer on the podcast of uh, Drink Champs. Right. Yeah. I listened to. One hour and maybe 25, 30 minutes. I think I have an hour to go. Um, very interesting so far. Uh, the name of the eight people that I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast were from Ashley World Claps with Robert Scott. So there are two big issues, not that. Uh, Lost passing of uh, Eric. Uh, what's his last name? Wilson. Eric Wilson's uh, death was not big. It's big to us. But Absolutely. into the universe where everything is insignificant. There's also the controversial um, legal case of um, Kyle. Rittenhouse. This is the man that um, shot and killed um, I think his name is Jacob Blake in Wisconsin. Now, Cal Rittenhouse was the white boy that killed two white people. Right. And uh, he was the one that was alleging that he was going to protect uh, uh, property owners 
and people and people like that, right? And he, I think he had what like the AR fifteen, right? And he ended right. up killing two people and wounded one person, right? Um, okay. Who, did, who was killed by Jacob Blake? I know it had something to do with Wisconsin, the weird place of uh, Wisconsin. But I, we'll get back to that. Uh, you are absolutely correct, and I am incorrect. Um, Kyle Rittenhouse is the one that killed two Black Lives Matter protesters. These protesters. No, no, right. no, no. Yeah, they, okay, you're right. You're right. You, they they were protest right. <laughs> and, and, and it's important to note that that, that these right. protesters were white. Exactly. Okay. That, yeah. That was the significant thing. That, yeah. I got Absolutely. a of Jacob Blake. I don't want to turn on nothing that we cause static in our podcast. I'll look it up tomorrow. But um, you are absolutely correct. Uh, Kyle Rittenhouse, whose trial just um, go, is going into closing arguments on Monday morning, is the one that killed two BLM protesters. And most of these people out um, they weren't the, the only people out there, but they, uh, two of them, um, well, let's put two other names out there. One was um, Sheminsky, and please forgive me if I get the name wrong, and Rosenbaum. Well, well that's no different than what happened in um, Virginia uh, a little earlier <laughs> with the white guy that uh, killed the white girl Right. Um, in, in its extreme action. Right. Well, now, if we can discuss briefly, what did Kyle Rittenhouse do? You, you, you alluded to it earlier. Uh, I think it needs to be uh, presented in terms of black mental health. Um, some <clears throat> may not see the correlation, but uh, we do because we're from a different background. Well, okay. So, are you asking me to articulate from a mental health perspective? Of well, uh, I tell you what. Let me put out the course of events of Kyle Rittenhouse. This is a man from Chicago. Um, well, actually, he's not a man. He's not a man. He's a teenager. That is correct, and that makes it even more significant because in a legal case, they cannot charge him as an adult. But in this case, they are charging him as an adult um, because of the heinousness of the crime. Uh, he is a 17-year-old boy at the time of the shooting. And he comes from Chicago, which borders on Wisconsin. And the event that's taking place is a Black Lives Matter protest and riot. Uh, significant loss of property that is taking place in Wisconsin. He crosses the state line of Chicago into um, Wisconsin, having the knowledge, as probably most Boy Scouts and uh, people of that ilk have at the time, because I was a Boy Scout too, and we wanted to stop crime. Uh, so I don't blame his intent, but reckless, um, being reckless, 
in, in terms of a legal definition is a person that has usurped the law based upon his uh, willingness or desire to help a situation that has gotten out of control. Bruh, bruh. I, I know you're not intentionally doing this, but in hearing the way that you're describing this, it's almost it almost sounds like justifying white privilege. And I'll let you expound it. Because everything that this white boy did was a pure example of white privilege. Because you could only be a white boy, teenage or adult of that age, Take a gun, go to another state, and say, I am here to help protect X, Y, and Z. And police officers embrace you and allow you to do so. You could never have been a black 17-year-old, show up with a AR-15 or any rifle or any handgun or any gun whatsoever. And say to police officers, I am here to protect and serve and be embraced and be welcomed. That is the definition. That is a clear example of what white privilege looks like. And, and so for this guy to show up today in court and have a, a, a prosecutor or defense for what he did in terms of killing two people and him being a white guy teenager or adult and have people support him but not only support him but bail him out of jail pay for his, uh, his attorney fees over a million dollars of support because he's a white guy Teenager or adult. That is the epitome of white privilege. You could, you can't give me one example, and I'm not talking specifically to you, Brother Douglas, oh. but there is no example of a black teen or black male today or yesterday or in the past that could take a gun to another state and say, I'm here to protect the rights of black people. Hmm. And kill another black person or white person hmm. and get the treatment that this white boy is getting. Indeed. That is the epitome of white privilege. Because hmm. what happens and, and, and how I'm going to define white privilege is if you are a white person, teenager or adult, and you kill a black person, You, you at that point, as a white person, are the only person that could justify why you killed this person. Can get a legal, a legal defense behind you, and can make you look like not the villain. 
but the protector of the Constitution and the protector of freedoms and rights in this country. That is white privilege. Exactly. I want to explain it in terms of the legal aspect because a lot of people are going to take the side of Kyle Rittenhouse and I want them to understand exactly what you just said, but I want them to understand it from a legal perspective because people think that this is a case about self-defense law, and it is not. And what you said is absolutely right with that. Uh, we are at the 19-minute mark, so I don't have much time. We're going to have 10 more minutes on the subject. I would like you to expound on what you, you just elaborated on. I also want you to give a situation in where anybody, not just Kyle Rittenhouse, would cry on the stand. Um, from your experience, and, and that's why I sent you the um, tape of uh, Dr. Grande on YouTube. Uh, I don't even know if you got a chance to look at it. But all of this is going to tie back into Kanye West eventually. Uh, we ask the audience to bear with us as we give you different perspectives to look at situations. Now, briefly, in less than a minute, I can tell you that here's a man, a man that's still a boy, technically at 17, that is being charged with an adult account of um, homicide. The exact charge is reckless homicide as an adult. And therein lies the problem lies the problem because from a legal perspective, and most people are not familiar with the legal law, nor am I, nor am I uh, giving advice on law. But what I do know is that reckless homicide may be the catalyst of white privilege in this situation because white privilege says that there is some type of law that will protect Kyle Rittenhouse, whether he is right or wrong. Um, right. You, you have that same protection for uh, Kyle Rittenhouse that you got for um, Dylan Roof, the white boy who killed those black uh, Christian protectionists in Charleston, South Carolina, when he went in and killed, I think it was nine black church people in a church in South Carolina. Dylan. And I'm talking about in the year of 2000 that we live in right now. Right. And you have a body of white people that have produced a financial institution of lawyers to defend this guy. Hmm. Not only do you have a body to defend this guy, what is the mentality of the people that would defend this guy? Well, what is the mentality of the black people that would forgive this guy? No, not the black people. I'm talking about um, anybody, any race. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 under, 
that um notion of self defense law. No, I I understand exactly what you're saying, but I'm just saying psychologically, what is the mentality of black people that would forgive this guy for doing this to to their their loved ones? Okay. You know, I mean, you know, I I, I understand. What's your opinion? Is that again? What's your opinion on that? Well, I don't know. I think my opinion it goes controversial to probably the Christian belief or the Christian perspective in terms of um, asking for forgiveness because. I don't work from that perspective, so I can't work from that perspective of forgiveness, nor do I choose to work from that perspective of understanding why people would, why other Christians would forgive him for doing what he did to people in what they call the house of the Lord. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, I, I, I think that his punishment is worthy of death. Let me let me give you a perspective, and uh, I don't agree with this perspective as far here, but I want you to defend based on this perspective, because there are a lot of people in America that see this as a stand your ground, just like in George Zimmerman's case, uh, or Bernard Getz's case. This is a case of stand your ground, and he was threatened by these two individuals physically. And he shot and killed both of them. Unfortunately, in the incident of killing one of these two individuals, the bullet went through the body of the deceased and shot another individual. Coincidentally, all of these people are white. Um, that he shot, killed, and injured. So three people were shot. Uh, according to the reports of this case, and um, this underage teenager took it upon himself to go across the state lines to defy law enforcement curfew, to defy um, the legality of carrying a rifle, which is different from carrying a handgun in terms of gun laws, and to commit murder or manslaughter. In my, in my case, I, I see it as manslaughter because sometimes we get too zealous in our prosecution of justice, which is what I think occurred in this with the prosecutor. And we may get an acquittal because we have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that he set out to kill these people. Yeah, well, I tell you what, if a black guy doesn't leave out of town, but right. if a black guy intentionally puts a weapon on him and walks out of the door, I don't care if it's to go to the grocery store or to get gas or to get food. He's just going to be judged by a different standards. That is than a, a white male, teenager or adult, that visibly goes into another place with a 
weapons and with bullets or arsenal that attend to that weapon that he has. That, to me, is a double standard if you're not going to judge him by the same criteria that you would judge a black kid with. Right. But we are facing reality rather than delusion. And so what I would request you, even though you're correct, is to put yourself in the in the mindset, not the agreement, but the mindset of the people that are going to defend this person based on self-defense laws. Is there anything in psychotherapy that says we need to think differently about how written out. Meaning that you would have to put yourself in his shoes in the first place. You would have to put yourself in the shoes of uh, white privilege in the first place. But we can still prove that what he did caused the loss of life. And that is what we should focus on. Yeah, I think the I, I think the only way you could do that um, is that you would have to be a white supremacist, and you would have to be able to have empathy, um, because we're taught not to have sympathy, but to have empathy. You you would have to have empathy if you were a white supremacist. Otherwise, anything else is um, a, an unacceptable behavior. And we are at the 29-minute mark in Black Mental Health and Race, and we have just brought up a very controversial subject which will divide people left and right. And this division is so pervasive that it becomes not just left and right, but black and white. And we want to be able to identify the people that identify with black struggle that may not be black and we want to find a common ground I'm offering you one last um, opportunity not that you didn't fail in the past but one last opportunity where's the common ground common ground for who it doesn't matter who who do you think? It, it It's all about you. But in your humble opinion, based on what we've just discussed, is there a common ground? Based on the conversation that we've had, based on police officers and racism, you know, things like that, are you asking me, is there a common ground yes, um, between all that? Yes, sir. Um, so my answer to that, my my um, subjective answer is no. There's no common ground because I think that common ground is relative. So I don't think that there's ever going to be a common ground as relates to black people as a whole. I think that common ground is, will be between the people that um, is relative to. So common ground... I can come to common ground with you if I'm in a nation and you're in a nation, but we have a different ideology or perspective about certain things. But 
we can come to a common ground because we share the same ideology, right? I, I can come to the same uh, uh, agreement, you know, if, you know, if we're all Masons, you know, we can come to some type of commonality with that if we're all brothers and we're all on the square. Um, same thing with the QSAF 5. You know, in, in, Good, brother. So in in my particular uh, Black Greek um, organization, we we all might disagree on on many things, but we can come to common ground because we have some things in in commonality, right? And I, so I think that in particular organizations, yeah, we can do that, but as a whole, as Black people, absolutely not. Okay, let me mention to you this man history where and uh remind you that we had two minutes over our, our time for our first segment we had 32 minutes on. um there's the man a black man during the revolutionary war of white people <laughs> not black uh called crispus Adams, and he was given the significant white privilege uh reward for being the first person, not just the only black person, the first person to be killed during the revolutionary war, Christopher Adams. Do, do you think that he identified with uh, what was going on at the time? And can we do that? With I, 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 I absolutely uh, think that. That, that said, said again? happened to be white. Said, said again? With the, can we make the same correlation with these white Black Lives Matters protesters that got killed? Even with the uh, Virginia girl, white girl that got killed, can we identify the same situation with Christmas status in reverse that white people get killed for Black causes? Can we see any empathy? Well, can we see any empathy? Are you asking me, can we see any empathy with white folks get killed, like black folks? Well, black causes. White people like get killed. Black folks. Yeah. I, I correlated with um, the black guy, Crispus Attic, being killed in the American Revolution for white folks. Well, I don't think that he was killed for white folks for him. I think he was killing for a different purpose. You know, and I think he was dying for a different purpose. I think white folks were dying for a different purpose, too. I don't think that white folks came or brought him on because they, you know, particularly cared about his best interest at heart. I think he particularly cared for his best interest at heart, and I think that's why he did what he did. So I think there were two agendas um, at the same time. And so what... um can't think of a name right now. And uh, what Rosenbaum and uh, this other guy sacrificed their lives for a Black Lives Matter protest isn't the same. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And these, uh, to all the listeners out there, are exercised in Black mental health. 
because we are not here to judge anyone. What we are here to do is to understand the situation. And we understand that Kyle Rittenhouse stepped over the line. This has nothing to do with his guilt, but more to deal with his responsibility. And lack in all decision making, including those people that would decide something on an emotion, including those white people that I'm trying to address right now that would say, oh, he was just doing self-defense. Are you looking at the big picture? And that is what we will present to this audience tonight. You can bring any situation to us and let us analyze it. And we both have different perspectives. So there's something about commonality in the way we think that empathizes with everybody. Now, we know that we are at a disadvantage as black people, but even in that, we will never negate justice for anybody. What the Honorable Elijah taught us was justice. And sometimes that justice has to come to us first because we are the most targeted. But anytime that a target of right, white privilege happens, we have to be able to speak out against it. And I'll give you the last word. You got three minutes, brother. We're going to go to the 40 minute mark. We have 37 now. And uh, I won't tease the audience or myself by trying to get deep. Um, so I asked the question, if there's a potential listener that wants to come on, what do they need to do it, or can they do it, how did, how should they do it, or um, just give them some insight if they are a potential listener and trying to listen as we speak, uh, is there feasibility of that happening? Yes, sir. Um, what we do have uh, momentarily is a number where you can leave a voice message on any subject, and particularly on this Kyle Wittenhouse subject or any subject that we discuss. If you can give us a different perspective, we invite you to present it to us and let us analyze it. Let us discuss this on air. You can do that at 1347. 754-7440 or you can go to your website because this traumatic incident is not merely about your opinion, your politics, but it bleeds itself into mental health, particularly black mental health and how we make decisions or how we come to our conclusions because I don't want anybody to get too emotional that they don't see justice. <clears throat> and what's your website? I'm sorry? What's your website? Uh, my website is www.morementalhealth.com uh, Okay. So you have two sources so you can express your opinion on this and we invite you some some issue that may divide you against your family. That's really a mental health issue, dividing against your family. 
your blood that you wanted you want to hear how we process that and we're going to process it differently my co-host has a different opinion than mine but at some point we have to see some common ground and i'll leave you the last one and i think that common ground is what we do every week yes, right sir. so whether we agree or we disagree the common ground is we have that discussion mm. we come together on that friday night or that saturday night if not both and it's not about agreeing mm. right because sometimes you know two people that agree on everything all the time means that somebody's lying mm. right <laughs> So um, I, I think that what we try to have is a, an authentic conversation uh, that may come from two different perspectives. Right. Right. And so uh, I think that we're not here to offer philosophical or um, scientific or right. um, advice, you know, clinical advice. Right. Um, on this particular podcast, we we kind of give perspectives, and we we kind of leave out our um um. Well, I know at least I try to leave out my clinical skills. Right. Um, or our subjective. Uh, right. Expression and try to look, show the bigger picture. Absolutely. I think it's like in uh, chess. There may be an opening that you're familiar with. And then you, as a good chess player, know how to counteract that good opening. Well, you know you know that by thinking two to three steps ahead of your opponent. Hmm. Unfortunately, your opponent may have the same strategy and he may be baiting you into something. Well, they say that they the Bible the Quran says that the devil plans and Allah plans and Allah is the best of planning. That is so, correct. You know, you need to manifest God in situations like that. That is correct. I, I think uh, the only person that I know that um, tried to usurp that quality was um, his name Kasparov in terms of chess. What he would do was not be a better chess player, but be a better disruptor of whatever you wanted in terms of the optimal environment to defeat him. What he did was not beat you at chess. He he beat you at the environment in order for you to win. And I think that is the position of white supremacy or white privilege that most people are not getting. I think that's includes with black folks too. Exactly. More so than uh, other other types of people that want to help. This yeah. is about us. And we may invite our own undoing. And I think that in terms of Kyle, Kyle Rittenhouse, the prosecution in terms of the legal matter, I know most pe- people won't understand this, but I want you to look it up. He's being charged, Kyle Rittenhouse, with homicide instead of manslaughter. 
manslaughter is an easier charge to give a 17-year-old. The fact that he's being charged as an adult in homicide presents reasonable doubt, which is the, the key to all of this, in a different light. And he may walk, and you, as black people, in your urge for justice, may not see why he walked in the first place. Hollywood. And on that note, we'll be right back after these messages. Peace to the universe. Peace to God. It was a heavy hissing sound in the audio. We apologize for this week's podcast. We couldn't continue um, the part two of this segment had to be deleted. Unfortunate technical difficulties. We will try better next time. Thank you for listening to Black Mental Health and Race. Peace to the universe.